right. So Romans chapter 11, here we go, guys. Uh, one of my favorite chapters in the book of Romans and in the Bible. Uh, it's a New Testament chapter and, uh, and book of the Bible, which shows us that God has a plan for his children, the nation of Israel, his lost children, which are about to be fully home. They're already going back to their father's land, right? We know that there's a nation of Israel again after World War II and the Holocaust. We see them, uh, the Jewish people coming back together to their father's land and they're being blessed already, but they're going to have to receive their Messiah, which the Bible says they will after the fullness, the full number of the Gentiles has come in. Really excited about that. It's uh, 5 a.m. I have to get up early to do these recordings and uh, I'm really stoked to do it. And it's just great to start the day in the word of God. And uh, it's just a lot of fun, you guys. So I hope you're having a good day. And I just pray right now. Let's pray, Father, that you would bless this time. This would be a time where your truth and only your truth is spoken and we receive it through your spirit, Lord, that you would show us your truths in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys, I'm going to get a quick uh, drink of motivation right here. Oh, that's great. All right. Romans chapter 11. So this is going to be an overview. This episode is an overview and we're going to have some timelines and things like that. We're, we're going to go through a few verses, but we're going to talk about the an overview of this section, the book of Romans. All right. So here we go. Um, Romans chapter 11, verse one. I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. So Paul says emphatically, of course not. God is not done. He has not casted out. He has not rejected his people who he had many promises to the nation of Israel. So when Paul penned this book, the book of Romans, a belief was already developing around 56, 57 AD. That doesn't mean after death. That means Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. So it was around, uh, let's see, 33 years, uh, 32 AD is when Jesus was crucified and resurrected. And then 35 AD is when Paul had his conversion where he actually saw Jesus and he was blinded temporarily and he, and, uh, called out by Jesus and born again. Um, so, so now we're seeing it's, you know, it's a good, it's, it's a little over 20 years uh, where Paul's been walking with the Lord and doing uh, missions trips for him all around this Gentile world. But there was a developing uh, belief that God was finished. He was done with, has rejected the nation of Israel. Well, they believe that since Israel rejected Christ, then God rejected them. Okay, this is what was happening during Paul's time. There's a lot of uh, evidence of that. Uh, one, first of all, is that Paul had to write this section of the book of Romans to clarify this issue. All right. So verse 25, we're going to skip down to 25 now. Um, I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And so all Israel will be saved as the scriptures say. The one who rescues will come from Jerusalem and he will turn Israel away from, from ungodliness. And this is my covenant with them that I will take away their sins. So good. So that this is the New Living Translation, and this is actually a, the the best rendering of that uh, that scripture where it says that 
this will last. The the uh, some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the fullness, the full number. That's this is the best translation of it. The full number of the Gentiles comes to Christ. So if you're the if you haven't given your life to Christ, you're watching this or listening to this, please do so. You might be that last person, guys. <laughs> if you gave your life to Christ, that you could be that last person. And I believe we would all be caught up to be with Jesus in heaven. And then his spotlight, God's spotlight comes down on his people, the nation of Israel for that last seven year period. And uh, he's going to rescue them just like Joseph, Old Testament Joseph, rescued his brothers, right? The 12 tribes, the, the 11 brothers. They, they come to him in Egypt during this time of great trouble over all the face of the earth, the Bible says. Remember, this is Genesis 37 through 50, Joseph's story, which took up one quarter, 25% of the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. And we see that he already had his Gentile bride with him. And then this seven-year time of great trouble, this famine over the whole face of the earth comes. And Joseph's brothers, the 12 tribes of Israel, come to him and he forgives them. And he shows great mercy and compassion and grace and great forgiveness toward his brothers. And his brothers were just blown away by that. Well, that is my friends, is going to happen with the nation of Israel also. When the full number of the Gentiles has come in. Remember, Joseph, there was this great time of abundance that came first, and Joseph was gathering the grain, right? The, the, the bread, the stuff that you make bread out of this grain. And he was gathering the very last of it from this great harvest. And when that full number came in then, that time of great trouble, that famine came. And that's when his brothers realized Joseph was alive. And someday the nation of Israel will realize that Jesus is alive, my friends. He's alive and he loves them and he has a plan for them. Him and the father had a plan from the beginning. And uh, this, is gonna, this is just going to be a, a fabulous, fantastic, magnanimous, powerful day and i can't wait to see it all right so has god rejected his people israel paul says certainly not so the, some say that god has rejected israel as a nation and that the church has superseded or replaced israel in other words they believe that all the promises in the old testament about israel are really for the church like the church uh israel can become or the jewish people can become part of the church but there is no nation of israel or blessings for the nation of israel from god this is false teaching you guys um, it doesn't mean you lose your salvation if you believe this but it's not what the bible says so what there is, there's this belief called amillennialism there's another belief called preterism these are just one of the two where um they believe that uh, the church uh, gets all the blessings that the nation of Israel would get. So amillennialism, it's the ah in there, the a means anti-millennialism. In the uh, original Greek, it's anti. That means no future millennium, no future physical reign of Jesus Christ from Jerusalem, right? This 1,000 year reign um, of Christ. And what the reason they do that is because they over-spiritualized the scripture saying that we are now in this 1000 year reign spiritually or we were or it already happened or you know if that's the case from what i've read for about the 1000 year reign of christ in the old testament in the books of isaiah and other books if that's the if this is the 1000 year reign of christ i'm very disappointed because to me the world isn't there yet the world hasn't gotten better and better i don't see the peace uh that that the bible speaks about during this reign i don't see nature restored there's just lots of things that we can point to that show that that hasn't happened the other belief is preterism preterism believes that everything was fulfilled in 70 a.d including the book of revelation now both of these beliefs believe the book of revelations already been fulfilled or it's allegorical and the problem with that is 
That's not what the Bible says. When the Bible wants to make an illustration about something, it makes it clear, God's word makes it clear to you that this is an illustration. But this is not. The, the book of Revelation, some things are symbolic in there, some things are allegorical, but it'll let you know when it is that um, many of the things in there are not. The reason I say that is in Revelation chapter 20, it says six times in seven verses the thousand years in other words that millennial that's what millennial means and they're anti-millennial but millennial means the thousand years or the thousand year reign of christ so six times in seven verses god says that and he says in one of them and they reigned with christ for a thousand years has that happened yet no that has not happened and god's making it a very clear point six times in seven verses thousand years right so what happens is people over-spiritualize the text. The Pharisees actually did this around Jesus' time. And this is likely why they missed the future fulfillment, the, the fulfillment, right? This is of Christ. I mean, Jesus was filling prophecy after prophecy and the Pharisees missed it. It's because they were saying things like, well, what it really means is fill in the blank. You know, um, this is where a lot of men... Um, they're wrong because they feel like, you know, you need to listen to them. They have the actual interpretation. If you just listen to them, they could tell you what it really means. And a lot of times this comes from arrogance, from education. We have to be very careful about our theological education. I have a master's in divinity. Well, that's great, but has the Holy Spirit taught you? Remember the disciples blew the minds of the Pharisees away because in the Bible it records in Acts that they were teaching and uh, the Pharisees were like, uh, how could these uneducated men uh, speak with such authority on the word of God? Because the Holy Spirit, God, was giving them this. And that's the most important thing when you're teaching the word of God. Also, it's very important to use the Bible as a commentary for the Bible. The Bible explains the Bible, you guys, more so than anyone's commentary or anyone's books. You go to the Bible first, and that's why I was talking about Joseph's story and how it illustrates this chapter 11 that we're reading right now. All right, so the proper way to interpret the Bible is the grammatical, historical interpretation. That's the right way. In other words, you're reading it historically in historical context, and you're reading it grammatically. In other words, what the text says is what it means, unless it says otherwise, unless it says that this is symbolic, okay? So that's that's where we, uh, it's where I teach from and many other teachers, and I think it's the right way. All right, you guys, so all millennialists, they over-allegorized and over-spiritualized the scriptures, making it say what they wanted. Now, this started with some of the church fathers like Justin Martyr and Origen. Um, and they, they were basically over allegorizing the scriptures and St. Augustine really promoted this. Uh, and then he promoted it and the Catholic church really ran with it at that point. So churches that believe this, uh, today we have the Catholic church, the Greek Orthodox church, the Russian Orthodox, the Lutherans, uh, the Presbyterians, the Anglican, the Episcopalian and the church of Christ. There are more, but those are the, the main ones there. Okay. All right. Let's go to the next part of this teaching here. And so basically I want to show you a timeline and what I, I like to do is take these timelines. I teach this in my Sunday school classes, the, the fifth graders, I love teaching them and the third graders. Um, but to draw out a timeline is great because what we see in this is in the beginning, God, Okay, and then you have this this line drawn, which is time, you know, time moves at uh, like C.S. Lewis said at 60 minutes per hour, you're moving at 60 minutes per hour towards your death or towards the future. If Jesus comes, you're moving that fast. But God is outside of time. You guys, God is not subject to time. Time is subject to him. Everything is subject to him. So. <clears throat> So in the beginning, the Bible says God, right? That's what the first words of the Bible, in the beginning, God. And then the last part of the Bible in Revelation, it says 
he was the last and the first, the beginning and the end, speaking of the Lord, right? So he's the beginning and the end. He's also called the Ancient of Days. That's another name for Jesus. So that's what we see in this big overall picture of time. So in the beginning, God, and then we had before Christ, BC. This was the historical uh, Roman Gregorian calendar that we went off of. Everything was um, BC and then AD. Like I was, um, I came to Christ in 1983 AD. And a lot of people think that means after death because BC means before Christ. And they think that was the AD is after death. No, it's Anno Domini, which just means the year of our Lord, the year that Jesus was born. So that's what we see again. We see in the beginning God, in the end God, and then we see BC, that's like Moses, Joseph, all those guys, you know, in the flood of Noah, all that stuff was before Christ. And then we see Jesus' birth and everything after that is AD. And what's interesting about that is everything points, this calendar, time itself for thousands of years has all pointed to Jesus Christ, the day that God became man, Emmanuel, man, that means God with us. The son of God came and he became also the son of man. In other words, he's 100% God and 100% man. It's very hard for us to understand that. But that's the year of our Lord, 0 AD. All right. So this timeline here, um, this is great stuff. So I'm going to minimize uh, myself here. It's always good to minimize ourselves, right? Okay. So... What I have here, if you're listening, there's a timeline out and we see the, the beginning of it in the beginning. God, you can't go back any further than that, right? That's as far back as you can go. And then we see creation. God created the heavens and the earth. And then God created Adam, you know, created mankind, humankind, and then he created the animals and Adam got to name all the animals of the earth. And then God saw that it was good, but he saw that Adam needed a helper, a companion. And so God created woman. God made them male and female. That's how God made them. And Adam woke up that morning after God made Eve and he said, whoa, man. And that's where we get woman. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he may have said, whoa, man. Thank you, God. <laughs> he probably did. All right. So then later on, we see that there's the flood of Noah. And uh, we don't know when that was. We don't know when creation was. Uh, we don't know when the flood was. Uh, then later on, we see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that was around 2300 to 2000 BC, which means before Christ. Uh, so we do have dates for that. And then later we see Moses, and that was around 1400. They're not quite sure, but around 1400 BC. And then Joshua, which was right after Moses. And then we go to uh, all the way down to David, which was, we have a date for that, 1000 years before Christ. And then we see Elijah, that was around, you know, Elijah and Elisha, the prophets were around 800 before Christ. And then Isaiah, right around 700 before Christ. See how it's counting down to the birth of Christ. And then we see Isaiah. So we see Daniel, right? Daniel, we have dates for he was alive from 620 to 538 BC before Christ. And then we see Zechariah. And then there was many other prophets. And then there was a period of 400 years of silence before Jesus was born. And then we see 0 A.D., Anno Domini, which means it's Latin for the year of our Lord, the year that Jesus was born. And then 33 years later, at 32 A.D., Jesus was crucified. He shed his blood. He died on the cross. And three days later, he was resurrected from the dead and 
actually talked. He was physically with the disciples. He ate food with them. He was with them for a while, and then he resurrected back up to the right hand of the Father in heaven. And then Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit who's with us right now. And so notice how AD uh, or BC and AD, they both point to the birth of Christ. All right, so that starts counting up now. Remember, BC was counting down to Jesus. Now we're counting up. And uh, at 35 AD, we see Paul. Paul was converted. Remember, he was on that road to Damascus, and he was blinded by the bright light of Jesus. And Jesus talked with him and said, Paul, Paul, or Saul, excuse me, Saul, why are you persecuting me? His name was Saul before it was Paul, right? And uh, remember, Saul means the one that was sought after. Um, Paul means little. And he was dramatically and powerfully converted uh, and believed in Jesus Christ. He was born again and then became one of the greatest uh, men of God, in my opinion, who wrote this book we're going through right now, the book of Romans and two thirds of the New Testament of the tribe of Benjamin. He made that a point in this uh, chapter, which is interesting because Joseph's last brother was Benjamin which is where we get the tribe of Benjamin. Kind of an interesting fact there because Joseph was the 11th born brother, right? Jesus was, uh, Joseph is a lot like Jesus. He's a type, a picture of Jesus. And Jesus, so to speak, was the 11th brother born uh, into Israel, so to speak, uh, because it was like the 11th hour, the hour that Israel needed him the most. And then that last brother born, Benjamin. All right. So, so then after, um, uh, Paul was martyred, uh, they think that it was Nero who killed him. Uh, Nero also killed, uh, Peter and, um, and that was around, uh, 63, 64, I believe AD. Um, and then later we see that John, the apostle John, he was the only surviving apostle. So this was around, uh, uh, John lived to be around 95 uh, AD, maybe a little more than that. John was an old man. Um, he lived in Ephesus and then he was sent to the island of Patmos. And that's where he wrote the book of Revelation, which means the revealing of Jesus Christ. And that was the final book of the Bible. The Bible was sealed and finished. It doesn't mean the Bible, everything in the Bible was fulfilled because we know that's not true. We're still in it somewhere, right? If we weren't still in the Bible and it was all completed and all done, everything in it, it would just be a historical book. But no, we're in there somewhere because the things in Revelation have not come to pass and the things in Daniel and the things that Jesus said himself that would happen. So it, it actually gives me inspiration knowing that we still have things to look forward to, guys. The Bible's not complete. I mean, it's complete and written, but those are prophecies of things that are going to happen in the future, and we're still in it, guys. We're a part of that story. So after John died, uh, we have what, what many call the church age, okay, or the time of the Gentiles, this age of grace, the church age, which is what we're in right now, okay? And, um, and that's all the way, uh, to today to 2021. All right. So then what we see here is this is an illustration. This is the arch of Titus, right? So Titus was a general in the Roman army right around 67 AD. They, they came in and, um, into the Jewish land, the Holy Land, the land of Israel. They started up in the Galilee area and they were brutally murdering many Jewish people and they were coming in with strong force. And this General Titus came all the way down in 70 AD into Jerusalem and they destroyed the temple and they killed thousands and thousands of Jewish people. It was a horrible scene. The historian Josephus, who's a Jewish Roman historian, recorded this and talked about what a bloodbath it was. It was horrible. And also he recorded how the Roman soldiers toppled over every stone of the temple because there was gold. 
in between the stones, the big giant uh, bricks, basically, stone bricks. And uh, the Roman soldiers wanted that gold. So they actually, every stone was removed, just as Jesus prophesied and said that not one stone would remain upon another when he was looking and showing the disciples the temple. And it made Jesus very sad. He actually wept over Jerusalem because he saw what was going to happen to them and he was not happy about it. He wept when he looked over Jerusalem and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh, how I wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks, right? You know, the little baby chicks get underneath the mother hen for protection. And, um, but you refuse, Jesus said. And he wept over that. And this is what happened. So this archway commemorates what this was dedicated to Titus. It's called the Archway of Titus. It's there in Rome today. You can see it. And it was given to him as it shows the parade of his conquest in Jerusalem. There you can see the menorah in the middle, the seven golden lampstand from the temple. And then there's the table of showbread uh, it, carved into this also. So this is probably what they look like. And it's interesting to me because the seven golden lampstands in Revelation is a picture of the church, right? That's what the Bible tells us. Well, here you see the church being picked up and brought away from Jerusalem and spread throughout the world through Rome, right? Through those Romans roads and to the Gentile world. So we see the church moving in to the Gentile world, so to speak. And um, that was the church age. It's the time of the Gentiles. Um, so I think God let us see that symbolically to show us that this is what's going on right now. But there will be a day, my friend. In fact, today there's this thing called the Temple Institute out of Israel. And they've made a menorah again for the next temple. Very exciting. So things are shifting, I believe, right now. And they actually have menorah that looks like the one out of Titus. They use that image um, to make sure they did one that's very similar. Um, this, this beautiful golden lampstand which carries, remember, the olive oil and it burns bright. And the high priest's job was to keep that burning bright in the temple. All right. So let's continue on with that timeline. So, so uh, uh, this is actually a, a different timeline. I want to show you something on this one. So we're going to go from Jesus' birth. Jesus was born in 0 AD, right? Um, the year of our Lord. And... What we see here is Jesus was of Nazareth. Uh, he was he was crucified, and there was a sign that was put above him by Pontius Pilate, and the sign said, "Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews." That's recorded in the Book of John, and it's in Hebrew, in in uh, Latin, and Greek, or Aramaic and Greek. So. They remember they cried out when Jesus was before Pontius Pilate. The Jewish people were crying out, crucify him, they cried out. And they also said, may his blood be upon us and our children. So the Jews rejected the father because Jesus said, I and my father are one and the same. The reason I say that is because there's a parallel in the story of the prodigal son that Jesus gave us. Remember, there was two sons, okay? One of the sons stayed with the father. One of them left. He said, give me all your inheritance. I want my inheritance now. That's like saying, I wish you're as good as dead to me, dad. Give me my inheritance. And he left and he went to a foreign land. Well, the Jewish people also left. They had to leave the father's land. They left. They went to a foreign land and, uh, and they were living with the foreign people of different countries all the way up until the Holocaust, where just like that prodigal son, he finally came to his senses and he's like, I'm better off as a servant in my father's house. And so the Jewish people, so to speak, they came back. Remember the boat, the Exodus, and they came back to the Jewish promised land, the Father's land. Because it really doesn't belong to them, it belongs to God, the Father. 
and they came back to their father's land and he's beginning to bless them already you guys already even though they still need to receive jesus christ as their lord and savior they're already being blessed remember like joseph's story joseph was already blessing them even before they realized who joseph was they thought he was long gone dead out of their lives but he was already giving them food and helping them and he had a great plan for them even before they realized who he was <laughs> the bible's the best commentary for the bible guys best commentary so then we see the crucifixion of jesus around 32 a.d and then we see nero he was from 54 to 68 a.d when paul was penning this book the book of romans and then nero uh, had paul killed and peter as well and then later we see titus who was that general in 70 a.d destroyed the jewish temple just as jesus uh, predicted and then domitian later he was from 81 to 96 a.d and he is the one there's documents proving this historical documents that domitian sent uh the apostle john to patmos or john went there during the reign of domitian so we know that revelation was written after 70 a.d so all those things were not fulfilled in 70 a.d they were they're going to be fulfilled later my friends um after all i mean has everything in the sea died has the sea turned to blood uh has two-thirds of the world's population died has there been a trouble like that no that has not happened yet that's a future event a future seven-year period where god's gonna um focus in and he's gonna put the spotlight on his nation israel and he's gonna give many gentiles and jewish people uh, a second chance to come to him and to be saved so the last uh, roman emperor i want to talk about is hadrian and he was right around 135 a.d um, he renamed judea or israel he renamed it palestine that's where we get the word palestine and he exiled the Jewish people, trying to wipe them off of the map, not unlike some of the people today, some of the nations today. And he wanted to wipe them off of the face of the map, and he changed the name of that area to Palestine and, uh, and exiled the Jewish people as slaves to all over the Roman Empire. All right, then after that, there was a long time, right? And that's that age of the Gentiles I was talking about. Um, just about 2000 years. So there was that long, long, long time. And then remember, I think it was around 1517, uh, the Ottomans, they were in control of Jerusalem all the way up for 400 years, all the way up to 1917 AD. Anybody here know what 1917 was? Yes, World War I, right. So Jerusalem was freed during World War I from the occupying Ottoman Turks who were Muslims, right? So, so right at 1917, there was a general by the name of George Allenby, General Allenby. And he was a Christian and he didn't want to fire one shot in the city of Jerusalem. So he sent word back to the King of England that he didn't want to fire one shot, please pray. Um, the next day he had to, his orders were to take Jerusalem, the old city of Jerusalem, and they flew a biplane over the city, true story, and they dropped leaflets down, right? Well, the way the Turks interpreted what the leaflets said was, this is Allah or, you know, surrender, give up your arms, signed Allah. It was actually Allenby. But that's how they interpreted it and they saw a biplane they, they a lot of these guys have never even seen a plane so they thought it was allah and they gave up their they put their arms down raised their hands and surrender allenby went into jerusalem without firing one shot just like he wanted and he prayed for and he dismounted his horse and said that he wouldn't dare ride in on his horse into the city of jerusalem because someday the messiah will good stuff you guys right all right so in 1939 through 1945 we have world war ii uh the jewish people 
they were freed from the death camps in 1945, and they were able to come back in 1947, 1948. They came back on the ship called the Exodus. And in 1947, we also found the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? And the rebirth of the nation of Israel, just like the Bible predicted would happen. You know, the Bible tells the truth, and it's the only book that dares to predict the future. So these Dead Sea Scrolls prove that the scriptures that we have today were accurate. These Old Testament scriptures were identical to the Dead Sea Scrolls. This is an absolute uh, literary miracle for that to happen, you guys. All right, so Israel became a nation again in 1948. And in 1967, there was a six-day war where the surrounding uh, hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of, of uh, Arabs and Muslims came against the Jewish people, this little tiny nation of Israel, and they miraculously won this battle. And they finally took back Jerusalem itself, the city of Jerusalem. And, um, and so in I'm going to talk about this. So in 2017, 50 years after 1917, we see that Israel's capital is in Jerusalem once again, you guys, recognized by the United States and by many throughout the world. So there's a little timeline to give you kind of a perspective on, on what has been going on uh, in this world. So remember, in the beginning, God, in the end, God. You can't go back any further than that, right? All right. So let's move on to the, the next uh, picture here. So we see that uh, that scripture again. Has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel. Remember, Paul said, certainly not. So here's a picture of the Holocaust. It was a horrible time where these German people were brainwashed and taught. Uh, some of them from a very young age, they were brainwashed, told this lie over and over again until they believed it, that the Jewish people were inferior and they were the problem of this world and they rounded up many women children and jewish men and had them killed slaughtered sent to death camps starved out it was a horrible dark time in our world and this is why during this time uh, even up into world war one many people were amillennialists many christians they were amillennialists believing that things were going to get better and better and better and then jesus was going to come down like we were going to usher in Jesus Christ, because our world was going to become so so kingdom-like, right? Well, World War One and World War Two changed that thinking, especially World War Two with the Holocaust and then the Jewish people going back to the Holy Land. So we're seeing God show us something differently here. Here's a picture of some um, some children that were rescued from these death camps. So I'm going to talk about Ezekiel 37. So Ezekiel 37, starting in verse 11, says this. Then he said to me, son of man, these, are, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry. Our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, Oh, my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O oh, my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and i will place you in your own land then you shall stand you shall uh, know that i the lord have spoken it and it and performed it says the lord so god's saying i'm going to put you guys you're going to be like dead all hope will be lost i'm going to put you my nation of israel back in your land well that's happened you guys 
We've seen a miracle in our lifetime, in our era here, where God has actually done that. And that should just blow our minds. We should be so stoked on that, not against it. All right. So the Exodus of 1947, here's a picture of that ship with just thousands and thousands of Israelis on it. It was, it was just overstuffed with the uh, people on it. These Jewish people headed back to their homeland and they had to fight their way back in. It was not easy for them. The, the, the British people were, uh, the British government was very against that. Even after the Holocaust, it was a horrible time for them. And also during this time, remember the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. There's a picture of the scroll of Isaiah, which was complete and intact. And uh, just word for word, the same as our Bibles. Good stuff. Okay, Jerusalem 1967, here we see the Israeli troops here at the Western Wall, which some of those, um, those stones are from Solomon's Temple, from the old, old city. And you could see these, these men uh, revere this place. It was, a, it was holy land, holy ground to them, and they were praying to their Lord, crying out to their Father. All right, Israel today. Israel is very blessed, you guys. Um, they're like number three or four in the exporter of fruits and vegetables. Um, they're, I think they're number one in flowers. Uh, most of the flowers that you find in, in uh, Europe come from the land of Israel. So they're being richly blessed. There's, there's, there's beautiful fruit and vegetables being grown in the desert because God has blessed them with uh, brilliant minds where they can figure out ways to do irrigation and get watered and plant these plants. It's just amazing what's going on there today. Check it out sometime. So there's a movement against Israel and some churches even fall for this, okay? And it's called the BDS movement, which means boycott, divest, and sanction. It's against Israel, right? So boycott means to avoid. Uh, definition of it is to avoid, cut off, exclude, or reject. Okay. The antonyms, the opposite of the word boycott, means to accept, include, encourage, and welcome. So many churches are falling for this BDS movement being against Israel. It's real political. But which of those would you want to be? The synonym of boycott, to avoid, to cut off, to exclude, and rejected. Remember what Paul just said? Has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Certainly not. So should we? Certainly not. Look at the antonym. Look at the opposite of boycott. Accept, include, encourage, and welcome. Which one of these do you think is God's heart? All right, the next word is divest. The D is divest. And the synonyms of that, the definition of that is to deprive, rob, disinherit, uncover. You know, that's like sin. A lot of times, remember Noah's sons that sinned, or his son uh, uh, who sinned, his son Ham, he uncovered the sin of his father Noah. And then Shem and Japheth, uh, Japheth excuse me, they, they hid... Um, they, they, they covered up their father's sin and they wouldn't even look at him. So divest, deprive, rob, disinherit, uncover. The opposite of that word is invest, to give, clothe, cover, hide, and save. Which one of those is the heart of Jesus, you guys? And then the last word of this BDS movement, sanction. They want us to sanction against Israel. And that means to threaten, to, to threaten penalty, to be punitive, right? And the opposite of that is to reward. So we want to reward. Um, we want to show the Father's mercy and his grace, right? We should show that heart towards these people, the nation of Israel. Here's uh, pictures of this BDS movement. You can see some Americans there holding up signs, boycott, divest, and sanction. And they called Israel an apartheid state against the Palestinians. And I don't believe that. I believe there's a lot of lies there. Now, they're not perfect. The nation of Israel is not perfect. They struggle with sin just like we do. Okay. Um, they're not perfect. But God has a special plan for them, and we need to recognize that. That's what the Bible says. 
Here you can see they're at the White House with their uh, boycott, divestment, and sanctions against Israel. You can see them protesting there. A lot of times you'll see the Palestinian flag, which is a uh, enemy of Israel. Um, so why do many of these churches stand against Israel? Because we talked about this earlier, because of amillennialism, their belief in how um, how the end times come about or what the Bible says. And so again, they over allegorize or over spiritualize the scripture, making it say what they want. Very dangerous ground when you do that. So let's ask God to show us. If you're having a hard time with this, ask God to show you the truth. Read the Bible. Remember, those are your authority more so than any books you read or any person who tells you something. Ask God or read his word and see what he has to say. So Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says that we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God. So Jesus, it says in, in Hebrews also that he was a, the, the high priest was a foreshadow of him, right? A picture of him. So Jesus being our high priest, what did the high priest do? The high priest was in the holy place of the temple and his main job, one of his main jobs was to keep the oil poured into the seven golden lampstand, right? To keep those flames burning bright and hot. Well, the seven golden lampstands in Revelation are the church, right? And Jesus is our high priest. And he's pouring the oil. The olive oil is always a picture of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is pouring the Holy Spirit into us, me and you, if you're a believer. We are the church. And when we shine brighter, what is over the high priest's chest, over his heart? There are 12 precious stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel, right? That's what we see over his heart. We have Reuben, we have uh, Judah, um, you know, Joseph, Asher, uh, all these, these, these brothers that Joseph had in him too. These are the precious stones, the tribes of Israel. They are over Jesus's heart. And what happens when that menorah, the seven gold lampstand shines bright as it's being poured, filled with the olive oil, the Holy Spirit? The precious stones over Jesus's heart, the 12 tribes, they shine brighter. They reflect off of that light and shine brighter and more beautiful. All right. So the book of Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah said this in chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. It says, in that day, the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the one who is feeble among them in that day shall be like David. And the house of David shall be like God, like the angel of the Lord before them. It shall be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication, and they will look on me whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. They will look on him whom they pierced. And it also says that they will ask, who did this to you? And he will say, my friends did this to me. And then it says they will weep because they will realize it was them. They crucified the nation of Israel, were responsible partly in crucifying Jesus and sending him to the cross and rejecting him, just like Joseph was rejected, remember? But he calls them his friends and he forgives them and shows great mercy to them. 
So the Bible, again, my friends, is the best commentary for the Bible. So Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, the root of David. These are the names of Jesus, you guys. The root of David, the bright and morning star, the good shepherd, the great high priest, our anchor, our hope, the chief cornerstone, wonderful counselor, mighty God, the ancient of days, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the son of man, the son of David, the son of God, the lamb of God, the light of the world, the great light, king of righteousness, lion of the tribe of Judah, the king of the Jews, the king of Israel, who was, who is, and who is to come. And he calls himself your friend. Wow. <laughs> and why do we worry? I don't know. So the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Have you done this? My friend, if you have not done this, you can do it right now, right here, right where you're at. Just stop what you're doing and pray this prayer after me to receive Christ jesus the messiah into your heart into your life you can do this right now if you'd like to do this again you're praying to god not to me not to your friends not to the church not to anybody you're praying this is business between you and god and you can do it so just say the words right after me to receive christ into your heart all right here we go lord I am sorry for my sin. I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you came to this earth. I believe that you died on the cross and you shed your blood for me. And that three days later, you were raised from the dead and you were alive today. I turn from my sin. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. And I choose to follow you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior from this day forward. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, my friend, if you just prayed that prayer, congratulations. You are a believer and a child of God so stoked for you all right you guys so this was an overview of romans chapter 11 we're going to be going through it uh in verses in the next episode really excited about it and uh i hope you were blessed by this god bless you have a great day george crab